Welcome to the Swim Swam podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, we've got a very special guest. He's an NCAA All-American from Penn State. And most recently, he is one of Mexico's newest Olympians, making the Olympic team on the last possible day by the smallest possible margin. Today, we are sitting down with Gabe Castaño. Thank you for having me, Coleman. I'm excited to talk to you and hear about your story. You've got you've got quite a few cool little bits to your swimming journey, as does mostly everyone. Um, but I want to start with this Olympic qualification. We we just reported on it; it just happened. Um, can you tell me about just the last month or two and uh, chasing this Olympic dream and what that's been like for you, especially leading up to the last possible the last day of the Olympic qualifying period? Yeah. So as far as the last month or two. Uh... You know, I've been all over the place. I went to Europe for the Mare Nostrum tour. And, um, you know, I didn't do too well as I expected or, you know, as, as good as I expected to do. Uh, I, I tapered. I fully, you know, prepared for that meet. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to lower my times. Um, and that kind of affected me a little bit mentally going into the, the California meet, the absolute last chance that I had. Um, you know, I had I was thinking, starting to think a little bit negatively, like, what if I don't get there? What if I, you know, I can't compete and uh, at the highest level that I, that I want to. Um, but, you know, after a few, several conversations with my coach, um, you know, I, I just calmed down. I was able to really gather my thoughts and visualize the race that I wanted to um, and really get rid of that, those races that I swam in Europe um, under really stressful situations. And I was able to pull it off on the, the last minute, the last day. So, yeah. Um, let, let's dive into that a little bit. Um, you go to the Marin Ostrom tour, obviously a lot of opportunities for racing there. Had you ever been to the Marin Ostrom tour two meets like that? I mean, that's to me from an outsider, that seems like a lot of traveling, uh, for, especially for a taper meet like that. Absolutely. And especially during a COVID year, um, you know, when there's so much going on with like all the, all the COVID tests and Actually, I missed my flight the first day and I had to go with another COVID test. So that was a whole really stressful situation. I had to pay for all the COVID tests. I had to pay for all the flights, um, the hotels. And that was that was partly due to the, the lack of support from Mexico, um, which has been sort of uh, dealt with. But for that, that time, um, they weren't able to provide the support that I needed. So unfortunately, you know, I was dealing with a lot of stuff. I had to buy all the flights and, and do all that. And it was um, more on me than... I really should have had for a taper meet. Um, normally I'm just focused on going there and competing and doing my best. But even that, you know, we did the uh, adaptation period in Galea, uh, Spain, which is outside of Barcelona. Uh, and then we had to leave at like six 30 in the morning, um, go to the airport, fly out to France, to Nice, and then drive to Monaco. So it was a whole six, seven hour trip. And that was the day before the, the 50. Yeah. So, that was, that was, you know, in Monaco, I was ready to go, you know, I was ready to go. I was, you know, mentally prepared, but we got to the hotel at like 5 PM. We still had to do, you know, our warm up. We still had to get our, our credentials. We still had to do all this stuff. Oh, and COVID test, obviously, because uh, that never ended, but <laughs> there was a lot of stuff going on that mentally I was just not ready to race um, or as ready as I should have been. So to me, 
it wasn't the most ideal situation. I made the most out of it and still swam very consistently. Um, all the times, four times I swam during the tour. Um, and I was 22-2 pretty much every time. I think I was 22-3-1 that one time, but every time I was 22-2, very consistent. Um, but, you know, that doesn't really get you to the Olympics, um, unfortunately. So, uh, like I said, mentally, I was not in a good place coming back. I had very little time to get back into training and mentally prepared for California. But, yeah, at the end of the day, it was, it was a very stressful trip, although a good one. I, I did. I did. Obviously, you know, a lot of memories, uh, a lot of awesome things that I learned and that I uh, got to visit there. So I absolutely don't regret anything. But it was a, definitely a, not the most ideal situation for a taper meet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that sounds like a lot. It sounds stressful. Um, yeah. It, I'm. Did you come away with that meet? Obviously, disap- You know, it's a disappointment that you didn't get that a cut. Um, but did you come away? You know, feeling like that experience overall was worthwhile or or that you learned things from it absolutely yeah i mean i got to uh, race some of the best guys in the world uh broke bruno fratus uh flo manadu was there tom DeBoer, some of the best european swimmers in the world and or in the, <laughs> europe <laughs> they at the end of the day I, I was able to learn a lot from them and their routines and what they did before the races and uh even though I wasn't able to get the egg cut where I wanted to in Monaco and, and in Barcelona. I did take a lot away from it. And I was able to take that into the California meet and apply it there. And I was, uh, you know, after a few swims and uh, racing Vlad Morozov, obviously one of the top swimmers in the world in the 50 as well, um, able to learn from their routine or from his routine as well, uh, put it all together. And it came, it came, you know, right down to the end. Yeah. So coming off of the Marin Ostrom tour was the, uh, the swim meet of champions in California, in Mission Viejo, California, was that planned? Were you going to go to that meet anyway, or was, was, did you have to find that meet because of, because you didn't Um, make the cut? Yeah. So my coach and I had a pretty interesting talk after the, uh, Barcelona meet and in Marin Ostrom, because after that I called him and I said, you know, what, what, where do we go from here? one of the Mexican coaches actually was the one that told me that there was a meet in California. And originally our plan was going to, you know, to go to Bahamas. That's where they had their, their national championships. And there, and a lot of people, you know, went to that as the last chance qualifier. Um, but, you know, going to an international meet uh, again, after going to Europe and going through all of that, I said, you know what, I'm going to avoid international travel at all costs. And, you know, I, I feel more comfortable obviously in, in the U S uh, competing where I always train and compete. So I said, you know, that's going to be our best option. And my coach agreed. And so we went off and, um, uh, unfortunately he actually left right before I swam my time trial and got my cut. So, but, uh, either way, I let him know right away and it was, it's good. <laughs> so, so take me through the, the mission Viejo meet. How many times did you end up swimming the 50 free there? That's five times because uh, the first one, the first one was actually in the hundred. Okay. I swam the first fifty in the hundred, um, and then dropped dropped my best time by 0.02. Best, you know, that was my first time dropping my record since you know since I set the record in April of 2019. Mm-hmm. So it's been a while, but that was even that was just enough to set my mind. Um, you know, I changed it into a more positive note. I said, okay, we're making progress. We're getting there. And then, uh, luckily, the way the meet was set up, at first, I didn't really understand why. 
but they had prelims. And then at finals, it was the first event, uh, but it was the semifinal. And then at the end of finals, it was the final. So it was three times in the day. And I consistently dropped every time. I went 22-2-0 in the morning and then 22-12 in the semifinal. And then an hour later, uh, 22-06. And uh, at that point, I was like, I mean, I was frustrated because um, I was so close, but I don't want to put it in the hands of somebody else to decide if I go to Tokyo or not. Uh, I was I was happy with the time, but like I said, I just didn't want to let be left hanging for that time. So I said, okay, time trial tomorrow, and we'll we'll see what happens. Um, but at that point, I was already in a very positive uh, mindset, uh, and actually, I didn't even know that my coach was going to miss the time trial until like that night. Um, he told me, yeah, I, I won't be there, but you can do it without me. And uh, at that point, I was like, well. We'll see what happens. Uh, but that's, yeah, it was uh, kind of unexpected given the fact that I, I swam it kind of, it was not the best technical race I've had. I had some issues um, with my finish, kind of short. So, but that gives me confidence going into Tokyo, knowing that I can drop my time when I fix those details. Yeah. Uh, my next question was going to be, so for, for our listeners to give some context, if you don't know, the Olympic A cut, the, the time that guarantees you travel to Tokyo, a, a, spot, a spot on that Olympic roster is 22.01. Um, as Gabe said, he was 22.20, 26 uh, in prelim semis and finals at, at the swim meet of champions in Mission Viejo, California. Um, and then you time trial. And so my next question was going to be, um, were you making adjustments from 50 to 50 or conscious adjustments like okay i can do i can think about this i can tweak that um going from race to race yeah definitely i talked to my coach um he sent me the videos um and i would watch them repeat uh, repeatedly and just pick out little things that i noticed um for the most part you know i don't want to go into the race thinking too much but i want to mainly use it as a tool to visualize what i'm going to fix and then when it comes to the race, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to swim it. I'm not going to overthink it because that's when I make my mistakes. So I figured, okay, my best shot at this is to watch the video a few times, understand what I did wrong, and then apply it mentally, just visualize myself doing it right, repeat it. And that's, you know, that's how I go into the race. So heading into this time trial, did, were you focused, you know, had, had you visualized anything specifically? Um, yeah. I would say my first 15 meters are my weakest, uh, my weakest part of my race because, you know, I had, I had knee surgery last July and for a while I wasn't able to do any leg, any leg workouts, any kicking, um, until pretty much until the spring. So, uh, overall I've been, that's my, that's been my weakness this whole time. And, uh, my swimming has been pretty good after the 15 meters. So, my main focus, like I said, was the first 15 meters, the underwater, the breakout. Um, and yeah, that's what exact, that's exactly what I would focus on and really pick apart my, uh, in my race and, uh, improve it as much as I could. Yeah. So, so, so you time trial, this is your fifth 50 of the weekend. You, you go 2201 on the dot in your la in your last chance on the last day to qualify for the Olympic games. Um, I mean, can you tell me, can you tell me about you hit the wall, you see the time and what happens next? Um, 
just an outpour of emotion. I mean, honestly, it kind of it's it's all kind of a blur. I was in shock <laughs> for a little bit of it, and then my friends came over, gave me big hugs and high fives all over, and my dad was screaming. I, I you know, like I said, it was, it's kind of all a blur, but just the outburst of emotion and the last two years of what I worked for, it's it finally came came to the last moment, and I, I finally did it. Um, I remember my dad told me that was clutch, and uh, that was probably you know that stuck with me because looking back. You know, I went to the swim, the, the Mare Nostrum tour, and I, I just wasn't able to drop that time. And then consistently, I was able to drop it in, in California until the very last moment I got the exact time that I needed. So that was kind of like a, you know, like a yikes. That was very, very close, much closer than I would have wanted it to be. But you know what? I got the job done, and that's the, that's what matters. Yeah. And I mean, since then, in, in the last couple of weeks, has, has that sunk in at all? Have you been able to process that experience and, and the fact that, you're an Olympian now and those two years of work did pay off in the way that you had wanted them to. Yeah. It took a little bit to really sink in. Um, but I've been pretty busy with, um, you know, thankfully with a lot of interviews and a lot of things that, uh, will result hopefully in, in sponsorships and things like that. So I, um, you know, I've been pretty busy, but I definitely have been, you know, I went home for a little bit, saw all my friends from high school. I've been getting messages from friends that I haven't seen in years and uh, it's awesome to be able to, to, you know, understand and really absorb all of that right now because, you know, it's short-lived. And honestly, this is like uh, hopefully not just a one-time thing, but I'm definitely uh, taking it all in and enjoying it. Yeah. So let's let's give this opportunity, this, uh, this accomplishment, some context. You know, over the last two years, obviously, the whole world has gone through a lot, um, but let's start with your junior season at Penn State, 2019-2020. It seemed like you were in pretty good form, especially at the Big Ten Champs and heading into NCAAs, which were obviously eventually canceled. Can you take me through that junior season and where you were with your swimming and just kind of mentally and emotionally? Yeah, so my junior year actually looked a lot like my senior year uh, just this past year because uh, I actually sat out most of this fall semester um, for my knee. I came back from the Pan American Games and I found that my knee was in pretty bad shape. And I was actually, you know, we had a set date for surgery in October of 2019. Um, but after a little bit of thought uh, and, and, you know, chatting with the doctor, we, we decided that, you know, it was too close to the Olympics. And uh, of course that, you know, <laughs> that didn't happen, but at that time, we were focused on Tokyo. We were focused on just rehabbing the knee and getting out of the water for a little bit. I, I was doing a lot of pulling and, and sculling and all that kind of stuff, upper body, but I wasn't doing any any leg work. So, um, you know, I, I tried to get past that. And coming back, I was able to work on, you know, I was able to work on my stroke a lot while I was um, limited. So, you know, when I went into the, the postseason, like my last few dual meets um, and then in the, heading into the postseason at Big Tens, I really didn't know what to expect. Uh, sitting out, not doing any meets for a while was uh, different for me. I was always going to every single meet, trying to do all that I did, because that, that's very important in sprint, is you know, just repeating the race, um, preparing for, for that big meet. So, yeah, like I said, heading in Big Tens, I, wasn't, I didn't know what to expect. I swam fast at a previous dual meet. Um, I was like, I think I was 19.5 in a speedo. So at that, you know, that was like a big confidence booster. I was, I said, that was, that's like a really good swim uh, after, after sitting out for so long. 
I had prepared mentally for that. And then, you know, heading in big tens, I had that confidence booster, but again, I wasn't sure what to expect. And then of course um, we missed the relay cut, but just a little bit. So we went to the last chance meet. Uh, we swam well there. We got the action. We actually got the uh, cut to go to NCAAs. And then that, that week after they got canceled. So, yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah. That, that was not a fun time for anyone. <laughs> um, so, so NCAAs gets canceled. Um, I wanted to ask, do you, what, what specifically was wrong with your knee and, and how, when and how did you find out about that? So it was actually a very long process. This was right before my sophomore year coming in. Um, I had issues with just, it actually happened with repeated kicking. Uh, just over time, I started to feel a little bit of pain and it, it could also be the fact that I was a cyclist before I was a swimmer. Mm. So starting so late in my swimming career, before that I was a cyclist and before that I was, you know, I played football, soccer, all kinds of things. And having, you know, I, I also had a very fast growth spurt <laughs> sometime around when I was 15 or 16. And uh, the doctor accredited that to, you know, a combination of cycling, the, all the kicking that we did, and then um, the growing that I did. So all of that kind of combined into, and then into a big problem with my knee. My meniscus was partially torn. Uh, my knee was kind of off to the right, so they had to do a lateral release on my uh, on my lateral tendon, and they also removed my plica tendon, which was inside my knee, and it was kind of pinching whenever I hyperextended. So it was every time I kicked, like a dolphin kick, it, it would hurt. Uh, so they got rid of that, all that stuff, um, and the meniscus was the biggest part. That took that was you know if it wasn't for the meniscus, I would have been like a three month, four month recovery but stitching the meniscus took close to seven months to really come back into full, full, uh, shape. So, um, that was around March and even, you know, it was supposed to be six months, but then I actually had COVID like right in the beginning of February. So even another bump on the road that I had this year. So it, you know, it was just such a roller coaster ride, a lot of things going on, uh, you know, delaying my rehab, Right before Big Tens, I had COVID. I sat out. So, again, a lot of things that happened, but uh, the knee is finally, I, I could say comfortably that my knee is finally back in the, um, you know, 98, 99%, which is perfect at this point. So I can't ask for more. Yeah, that, that, that is incredible. Congratulations on that. That seems like a big win. So, NCAAs gets canceled. Soon after that, the Tokyo Olympics gets postponed a year. Can you take me through that process? What, what, co what that COVID shutdown looked like for you, and especially with the decision of knee surgery now that the Olympics had been postponed a year, um, how did that affect how you approached that decision? Yeah, so at the start of the pandemic, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really looking into surgery at all. Um, I actually was doing a lot of rehab, a lot of cupping, and you know, stuff at home that I could that I could get my hands on. Um, so I kept going with rehab. I did my, my workout, Strylance, all that kind of stuff. Um, basically anything that I could do to, to stay in shape. And when, as soon as I came back, it was June of last year to state college, uh, the YMCA opened up and then I figured, okay, finally I have a pool to swim in. I'll go, I'll go get in with my, with my uh, buddies. And, uh, as soon as I got in, I noticed that my knee pain was back and it was doing the same thing. 
so while I was doing all the dry land at home, I, I didn't really feel any pain. But then again, I got the pain from kicking and from swimming. So as soon as I got back in, I did some dolphin kicks and I was like, oh man, here we go. Just the, you know, the, the same thing. And uh, I had a conversation with my, with my trainer and she decided, well, we're, we're going to go talk to the doctor again, see what his opinion is since we have more time now. And the, the Olympics got postponed at that point. So everything was looking, you know, we had more time at that point. So I figured, um, yeah, let's go for it. It was done on, on July 27th of last year. And, um, you know, I was out, I was completely out for a few days, uh, pretty bad shape, but, uh, yeah, the, the timing could not, couldn't have been better really, uh, with the pandemic and everything. As soon as they opened up the hospital for, for all that kind of stuff, I, I got in as soon as I could and I got it done. That, that seems pretty ideal given the circumstances you said you were out for a few days and then can you take me through the process of getting back into, you know, training, getting back in the water? Uh, were you able to kick <laughs> any time um, after that? <laughs> yeah. So the, the rehab actually went kind of fast. Um, I was off crutches for the first, in the first uh, three weeks, I think. So at first it was really bad. I couldn't, I couldn't put any pressure on it, but after a few weeks and, and then sleeping was uh, even worse. It was the worst thing because I had this big brace pretty much from my hip all the way to my ankle that I had to wear um, to bed every night. And I couldn't really move my legs. So, and then, get, you know, going to the bathroom, all this stuff, it was, it was just such a, a hard time for the first couple of weeks. But after that, you know, I, I got off my crutches. I was able to bend it a little bit. And little by little, I was able to, to do more things. But it took a while. I think over, pretty much over, oh, sorry. Got a, got a call from somebody. But anyway, yes, I, I came back. I was able to get in the water, but no kicking for the first, you know, like two months really until it was, it wasn't until January that I was cleared to do some slow kicking. Um, so, you know, most of my time was spent pulling, uh, you know, with, with the tower, with the power racks, anything that I could really do to get my upper body strength back up. And, um, while I did a lot of dry land with my legs, so my left leg was in plenty good shape since I was hopping around the, <laughs> my left leg for a while. <clears throat> but after that, I, I was doing a lot of single leg squats and all this stuff to, to get my right leg back into shape. And it took a while, but yeah, like I said, I, it wasn't until January that I was able to really get, get back in the, the swing of things with my kicking. That's pretty interesting. So you were able to do dry land with your legs long before you were able to kick with your legs. And that was mainly due to the due to the meniscus, I think, because uh, that was the that was what had to be protected the most. And yeah. under the careful, uh, watchful eye of my my trainer, she was able to tell me what I could do and what I couldn't do, um, and rehab. But she couldn't really do that in the pool. So uh, for the longest time, I pretty much you know I had I had to practice with a buoy and a, and a strap around my ankles, and um, pull pretty much that was it. <laughs> That's a, a lot of pulling. That sounds like a lot, but, uh, so, so you eventually get back to it. Um, and then as you mentioned, you got COVID in early February. So can you take me through just that last couple months of your senior year? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was definitely rough because at that point we've already, we've already been through two quarantines, I believe. Um, in November I was a close contact, uh, with my roommate and then 
in January, we all came back from Christmas. You know, we, we were, we spent a few days at home, but uh, part of the coming back to campus protocol was quarantining for a good, I think it was like 10 days. So for all that time, I was out of the water, not able really to do anything. Luckily, I did have a bike in my apartment that they brought in the first time around. Because um, in November, when I, the first quarantine that I was in, I was, you know, right in the middle of my, my uh, recovery process and the rehab. So luckily, the, the, uh, my coach was able to send a bike over one of the stationary bikes into my apartment. And I got that thing. And, uh, you know, I was able to, to use that while we were in quarantine. But for a while, you know, it was, it was tough to deal with all the quarantines and just staying locked down. And um, especially when, when I had COVID, because uh, fortunately, I wasn't able to or I, was, I didn't have any symptoms. I lost taste for like a day. And that was pretty much it. So I was very fortunate to, to not have any symptoms. But at the same time, I was sitting in my room, I, I felt pretty good. And I wasn't able to do anything physical uh, until I came back. So that was definitely a bit of a, um, you know, a, a bump on the road. But luckily, I was able to uh, get back into the swing of things right after and, um, you know, prepare for what I could. I had, I think I've had like, seven to 10 days um, when I from when I came back till Big Tens. Okay. It wasn't very long at all. But luckily, I got on the bike for those those few days that you know, I was uh, it, it was in between the time I got out of quarantine and when I came back, they had to do some hard tests and all that stuff. So I was cleared to to do some exercise um, at home, and I, I did that. Yikes! Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so then, how did how did the how did the postseason go? How, can you tell me about Big Tens and NCs? Yeah, so the postseason, you know, I, I, I didn't drop any time. I didn't even come close to my best time, which uh, for me was a little bit disappointing, obviously, because I, I, with my short career, I've always been used to, like, huge drops. Every every year that I swim, I, I have big drops because, obviously, I just um, – I get – I have a lot of improvements um, being in the sport so uh, for such a few uh, small amount of time. But – in the NCAAs, I wasn't able to even get close. Like I was, I was in 197 and that was my time freshman year. So mentally that was a bit, that was a bit discouraging. Uh, but when I came back, we actually had another quarantine. So it was it sit out for another few days, but luckily when we came back from that quarantine, they opened the outdoor pool and we were able to get in the long course. And that's when I said, okay, you know, no more, no more uh, messing around. This is the time to, to focus. And uh, the first month was pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> I was out of shape. My kicking was atrocious, but I was able to, to kind of get into the swing of things pretty quickly and, and get back into shape for, uh, I was, I went to the um, Florida meet. Um, I believe that was early April. And that's when I, I was pretty close to my best time unshaved on tapered. So that was a good boost mentally too. No kidding. That's, that seems nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so you've, you've, tapped on it a couple times, but I do want to hit on the fact that, uh, you only got serious about swimming when you were 16 before that you were a cyclist and then you played a, a whole bunch of sports. Uh, can you tell me about just, I, I guess, growing up was, was swimming ever really on your radar before you got really serious into it? No. So growing up in Mexico, I actually had, um, you know, I, I, I did a lot of triathlons 
and I loved cycling. That was my thing. My dad was a, a cyclist slash motorcyclist. So, uh, that was kind of my thing. My mom never let me get a motorcycle. So to me, cycling was my way of getting into the, on the bike, on the motorcycle and, and, you know, having fun. So, uh, I did a lot of that with my dad, but, um, swimming was always more of a cross training thing. Hmm. I had lessons, but I never competed in it. I competed in it and I never took it seriously. Um, so I came back or I came to Allentown, um, when I was 11 and a half, it was July of 2009 when we moved over here. And um, we took some more classes, some more lessons, I guess, but nothing really serious. And uh, I took it, I took cycling very seriously when, when I found out there was a velodrome, a velodrome, uh, track cycling velodrome. Um, so there's, it's a bike with no brakes, no gears. It's very fast. Um, a lot of, it's, you know, like a, I guess you could call it like a NASCAR. It's a cycling, it's just an oval and you go around it very fast, no brakes, no, uh, no gears. And it was very fun. I enjoyed that a lot. But to me, the main attractive or attraction in, in swimming was that I could maybe get a scholarship someday. And that was the goal. I In cycling, there's no such opportunity. And it was kind of getting a little boring. I was getting burnt out. So I decided, you know what? My friends are doing it. So I'll join the swim team. And that's kind of how I did it my freshman year. It uh, turned out pretty well. I, I My first meet, I remember, I remember this very clearly. Uh, it was a meet in Tamaqua. Uh, it was fall of 2013, I believe. And I won a minute in the 100 freestyle. And I thought, you know, I thought that was like decent. <laughs> At the time, I was like, okay, you know, I could, I could do this. This is fun. Uh, and by the end of the year, I was the 49 in the relay. <laughs> so I dropped 10 whole seconds the first year. And I went to States uh, with my buddy, with my, they were all seniors, actually. I, I, was, in a, I was a freshman with all seniors in a relay at States. And to me, that was like, okay, you know, I, it's my first year. I made a lot of improvements. I think I can stick to this. And that's when I said, okay, I'm done with cycling. I'm focused on, and this was, this was kind of a, a bit of a controversial decision at home because my dad had spent thousands of dollars on bikes and on equipment and all this stuff um, and on travel and, and, you know, countless of things that, that at the end of the day, obviously paid off. But at the time it was, didn't really make much sense, but like I said, to me, it was it was a thing that I wanted to do. I set my mind to it, and it paid off. Yeah, did you have to do some convincing or, or some uh, involve some <laughs> diplomacy sure with with your dad? Yeah, I sure <laughs> did, especially especially because um, I had some. I was competing at a higher level at that time. Mm-hmm. I started to compete in national championships. I think I was seventh actually in, in the in one of the national races. Um back in 2013 at the track cycling level. So uh, it was definitely tough for me. And I, my dad didn't really understand it at first, but I was able to convince him over time, like, hey, this is going to be a cross training thing and it might pay off in cycling even more. And then it just kind of turned on into like, uh, now cycling is a cross training for swimming. Hmm. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, obviously he, he really understood. He uh, knows that it was the best decision of my life for him. Did you continue to cycle? during while you were swimming and, and how did that training work for you um not really i didn't use it as cross training until i mean up until sophomore year that's when i stopped completely cycling uh i still did it you know every every now and then on the weekend with my dad i would go on a ride but it wasn't anything serious and um i just focused on swimming i did club swimming and that's kind of where 
just kind of snowballed. Uh, right now, I still enjoy cycling. I have a bike that I that I ride around campus and that I uh, go to classes with. But yeah, other than that, my dad could probably beat me right now on the bike. <laughs> um, so what did what did club swimming look like for you? I mean, you're I you know I, all I know about you is that you're really good at the fifty, and, and you dropped ten seconds in your hundred. What what was club swimming like? So club swimming for me was um, the first couple of years were good. I was learning a lot. I was making huge improvements because I, you know, I, I came into swimming, not even knowing how to swim breaststroke or butterfly. Uh, and I'm talking my, my freshman year when I was 16, I didn't know how to swim either of them. So I made big, big improvements those first couple of years in club. Uh, but as I started to evolve in, in the sport of swimming, especially in high school, um, my high school team didn't let me swim club during the high school season. And at first that was a little bit hard for me to accept because I, I really enjoyed club swimming. I enjoyed the, the trajectory that I was, that I was taking and enjoyed actually swimming with, with my, my friends, like, like Malin, for example, he was in the club and uh, you know, he was one of my biggest competitors, one of my best friends at the time. And I said, I don't want to swim high school, but at the end of the day, um, I said, I said, okay, well, I still want to swim high school. It's fun. I get to be with my friends and I set aside club for that, high school season this was my junior year I believe junior year of high school and um you know what that's that was one of the best decisions I've made because it prepared me definitely for, for college more so than club and I was able to focus on what I wanted to which was 150 um which kind of was a hard transition back into club because coming back to club they wanted me to swim all sorts of long distance events and and I was only training for the 150 freestyle so you could say, okay, maybe, maybe it was, it's good to diversify your events. But for me, who was, for me, uh, somebody that was so new to the sport, it was definitely a better idea for me to focus on the 50 and hundred free. Um, since I wasn't, I wasn't going to reach a super high level in, in the other strokes. So coming back to club, as I said, it was, it was kind of a tr tough transition since they wanted me to do IM and uh, they wanted me to do the, even I did the mile one time. So uh, that was definitely a little um, frustrating, but club was definitely a hard, a hard thing to, to um, transition back and forth, but it definitely helped me in my, my career. Yeah. I'm curious coming from cycling, do you feel like you had a pretty good motor, I, I guess, cardiovascularly um, was, did swimming come easy in that respect that you felt like you could handle those long practices, even though, the technique or the feel for the water might not have been there at first. Yeah. So I, I also did on top of track cycling, I did mountain biking and road cycling and those races tend to be very, very long upwards of like four hours sometimes. Yeah. So yeah, I could say that, that I was definitely um, more prepared for the longer stuff at first, but when I started to focus more on track cycling, those races tend to be more, you know, five, 10 minutes mm. and um, more sprinty. So towards the end of my cycling career, um, it was more, it definitely transitioned more into a sprint. You know, my body was more used to sprinting and more powerful, uh, efforts. So yeah, like I said, I, I at first, actually my freshman year of high school, I was in the, in the 500 and that's why I swam at districts. So, um, that was, that was a little confusing at first. I mean, looking back at it right now, it doesn't make any sense, but at the time it, yeah, I guess it made sense since I was a cyclist and I, I was used to those longer races. Interesting. Yeah, that's, that's pretty funny. 500 free. Uh, <laughs> nice. 
Um, so I Gabe, it's, it's just been, it's been awesome to hear about your swim journey and to see it culminate, uh, in, in this Olympic qualification for you. I guess one of the final questions I'd like to ask is, is when did that Olympic dream become a goal of yours? I guess maybe realistically along the swimming journey. That's a great question because uh, recently my dad sent me a picture of, a, of an interview that I did after my States win. I won the States uh, 50 freestyle my junior year. This was 2A. But either way, I, uh, <laughs> I did an interview with the, uh, the local newspaper and I did not remember this until my dad sent it to me, but it said, I want to become two-time state champion, referring to the 2017 uh, senior season. Mm-hmm. And I also want to want to, want to represent Mexico in Tokyo. And to me, that was just like a, an idea that I had. It wasn't a realistic goal at the time because I wasn't even under, I mean, I was a 20.9 my junior year in the 53 yards. So that's, mm-hmm. I mean, when you, when you trans, when you, um, translated into long course, it's really not realistic to drop a second and a half, um, in such a short amount of time. But again, since I was so new to the sport, it wasn't completely out, out of the question. And I've always had ambitious goals in cycling and in swimming. Uh, I remember walking in my freshman year and I said, I want to be state champion. And they all looked at me like, you, didn't you just, didn't you just start swimming? Like, there's no way you can do that. Uh, but mentally I never had that. I never had that, uh, that, um, limiter. I always had big goals and I was always, uh, ambitious. So I, I achieved what I wanted to do what I wanted to. And, uh, at the end of the day, when it came to time to uh, swim for Mexico, um, I remember the first meet was in 2018, summer of 2018. I broke the national record, the first meet. It was a 2270, and, uh, which was a big deal. But I actually did that race with two breaths. <laughs> now, looking back at that, it's like, how the hell did I do it with two breaths? The <laughs> breaths, is, it doesn't make any sense. But, um, and then from on, from, on from onward from that, uh, I was able to work with my coach a lot very closely and uh, figure out the details. But again, with all the, the things that have happened in the last two years with uh, COVID and knee, the knee surgery and all this stuff, uh, it was very, it's a very long, bumpy road, but um, I was able to, to do it at the end of the day. Yeah. Did, did you watch swimming at the 2016 Olympics? Absolutely. Yeah. And I was, I watched every single race. And uh, I love watching, obviously, you know, Michael Phelps and Nathan Adrian, especially was my, one of my favorites to watch. So um, I remember when I raced him in Lima, that was, that was a big, big deal for me. Nathan is one of my favorite people in swimming. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I agree. He is, he is awesome. That's super cool that you got to race him at the, at those 2019 Pan American games. What can, can you take me through a, a brief synopsis of that experience and, um, obviously racing Nathan is a big deal, but just getting to represent your country at a meet like that. Yeah, that was my first international level meet and, uh, going in, I was, I believe seated fifth or sixth. Um, so I didn't have that pressure that I, that I normally have on myself. I, I always want to, to win obviously. And I always want to do my best, but I didn't have that overwhelming pressure, um, like I did, for example, in California, where I said, okay, this is my absolute last shot. I had a lot of pressure on myself. I was very nervous. Um, but in Lima, I, I was a lot more relaxed. I was able to enjoy the trip, but at the same time, um, when it, when it came down to the 50, 
prelims, I actually, I actually swam next to Nathan, and uh, it was a big deal. I looked, I mean, he was almost, it felt like a foot taller than me. So uh, at first it was a little intimidating. And, and then I was like, okay, I mean, he's just a, just a competitor at this point. Um, but I was able to, um, I, I chatted with him, obviously a, a super nice guy, a leader and somebody that I definitely look up to. So uh, for sure, you know, a great experience. That's, that's, that's really cool. And uh, so you, uh, you've qualified for the Olympic 2021 Tokyo Olympic games. Where do you go from today until, uh, until the games start in Tokyo in a couple of weeks? So right now <clears throat> my preparation is pretty simple. Kind of repeat what I did for California. Um, I'm more, I'm lifting a lot of, um, lift, not a lot of weight, but just lifting, um, you know, what I'm used to and just kind of getting the body ready for, for those explosive movements. And I'll be doing the same pretty much up until a week before the, the 50. So, um, you know, I've been talking a lot to my coach. He, unfortunately, he won't be able to go because uh, the situation with Mexico, they, they want a Mexican coach there. Um, luckily, I, I've already had experience with that Mexican coach, uh, so I, I feel comfortable. But even that, it's, uh, it's a little uh, difficult preparing here and being in a, you know, at home and then going to Mexico for a few days and then Tokyo. So it's going to be – it's not going to be uh, super smooth, I imagine, I imagine there's going to be uh, some bumps in the road, just like there were in Europe. But um, I'm, I'm positive. I'm, I'm going into the meet with a good mindset. And I, uh, I intend on definitely dropping my time a bunch, knowing that I can, uh, you know, knowing that the, my race when I got the cut wasn't perfect. So, um, yeah, and then looking forward, I definitely lo I, I look forward to uh, competing at Worlds and um, definitely in Paris is the goal for sure. Yeah. Well, Gabe, again, it's, it's been awesome to hear about this whole swim journey and it's, it's so exciting to move forward and get to keep watching your journey, uh, knowing that there's obviously room to improve and, and you've still got a long way to go. So thank you for taking the time to sit down and chat with me today. Um, do you have any parting thoughts for our audience before we sign off? Um, I just like to thank everybody that's, that's, definitely given me a lot of support it's been overwhelming but i look forward to representing mexico and, and hometown allentown um in the olympics you've been listening to the swim swam podcast stay tuned for new episodes every week you can take swim swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our youtube channel for more videos as well